and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today is the finale in our series showcasing the 2021 New Zealand Tourism Award finalists. Chambers, kia ora. Kia ora, Michelle. How are you? Oh, good. Can you believe here we are at the end of this special series we've been running? My goodness, is it really the end? It is the end. <laughs> I think there's a song about that. We won't go into it because my voice is terrible. But 11 weeks, 11 episodes later, and here we are. We've done 31 interviews with 27 different businesses. And we wow. wrap this series up today. And what a ride it's been, hey? Oh my goodness, I don't think we really truly knew what we'd committed ourselves to when we said we were <laughs> going to do this, but it certainly has been a great journey and I've loved the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. We will attempt to wrap this all up for you soon, but a huge congratulations to all of the finalists once again, and a big thank you for making yourselves available and oftentimes jumping out of your comfort zone to guest star on your very first podcast. And this show wouldn't be anything without you, our listeners. We did get as high as number two in the NZ Marketing Podcast charts, and that's all down to you. So thank you very much for tuning in each week. I couldn't believe it. Could you, Michelle, when you saw number two? Oh, no, that was very exciting for me. And to be fair, nearly every week we have jumped into the top 10. And we have been, there's only one other New Zealand marketing podcast that is consistently in the top 10. So the rest of them are all international. So I think we're doing something right here. And obviously, thanks to our listeners at home, they're enjoying it. And the feedback's been really cool as well. That's great. Now, the only business that we didn't get to chat to and we didn't get them onto the show was Waimangu. So they're finalists in two awards, the Toy 2 EnviroCare Environment Award and the Westpac Resilience and Innovation Award. So I just wanted to give them a bit of a shout out. We know there was a lot going on with David, the GM there moving. He's about to move jobs and move over to the Agrodome. So we didn't quite make the timing work for us to get together. But congratulations to Waimangu and obviously Mm. we wish you guys all the very best as well on Monday night so yep the awards are online next Monday night 6 till 7 30 so hopefully a lot of you will be tuning in to see who will take home the prizes yeah I reckon an hour and a half online free event it's going to be excellent I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what everybody is wearing anyway, especially the finalists, you know. Yes, same. Groups. Yep, they'll all be dressed up as if they're going to the awards night. So I might even put my glad rags on too. Oh, I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> but before we kick off, we have two awesome prizes to give away. The first is our Dark River Adventures comp. Oh my goodness, we have been running this for a long time, since yep. part one of the entire series. <laughs> So um, we're really excited about this. Obviously, it's just my name in the hat, so I don't know why we're going to pull it. (laughs) You wish. (laughs) Yeah, I wish, yeah. Anyway, we did ask you to tell us what your favourite episode of the show was to date. And thank you so much for doing so. The feedback keeps us going, that's for sure. Yeah, it sure does. So let's do a little drum roll now and we'll pick a winner. And it is Heidi Gillingham. Gillingham, Gillingham, 
And I think Heidi actually works at Go With Tourism. So congratulations, Heidi. Heidi's favourite episode was part three, which Mm -hmm. featured Nicole Botting as one of the Emerging Tourism Leader Awards, the Dark Sky Project, which is down your way, Chambers, Mm -hmm. and the National Kiwi Hatchery with Emma. So Heidi's reason for choosing this episode was that it was so awesome to see Nicole repping for the girls in the Emerging Leader Award, who wouldn't want to listen to a podcast about strong women, stars and Kiwis. What a trifecta. So congrats, Heidi. We will be in touch with you soon. And you and a friend are heading off to do the Dart River Funyak Safari. Congratulations. Congratulations. And I have to agree with Heidi's comments there. That was awesome. Yeah. And secondly, we have Doubtful Sound Crews from last week's show. And this is a wilderness crew for two people valued at $400. And you just needed to tell us why you should win on our social media profiles. Again, so many great reasons and really worthwhile causes. But there can only be one winner, Michelle. So can you do the honours? Yes. Okay, so let me just draw one out of the hat here, or my little bowl, I should say. And the winner is Carol McCarthy. She would like to nominate her daughter Marie and her partner Stephen, who have had a really tough run lately, and this would be a lovely break, especially for my daughter. Well, congratulations, Carol. I think you are a Facebook entry. We will be in touch with you and sending a voucher for two to the Doubtful Sound Wilderness Cruise very soon. Congratulations. Nice. What a great trip they're gonna go on. Oh, I know, yes. So lucky I've done that and I love that trip. Anyway, so today our final NZ Tourism Award special. We welcome three very special guests, two finalists and the Tourism Awards event manager. First up, we welcome back Freeman from Sanctuary Mountain. We first met Freeman last week when we chatted about their community engagement award. Well, they are also finalists in the Doc Conservation Award, which we chat about today. And we have a family pass for Sanctuary Mountain to give away so you can go and see what all the fuss is about yourself. It's valid for two adults and two children and it's valued at $65. So jump across to our Instagram page at destinate underscore NZ to enter now. Yes, do that. It's another great prize and some Awesome little cute native animals to go and see when you're in the park as well. (laughs) And who doesn't love cute animals? Our final interview in this series is with Adam Hoare from Waiho Hot Tubs in Franz Joseph. Adam is 16 years into a three-year plan to experience operating a New Zealand business. He must have got stuck there a little bit. (laughs) But anyway, he enjoys sharing all the brill things that there are to do at Franz Joseph Glacier with visitors, along with living in a small yet vibrant community. Waiho Hot Tubs are finalists in the Westpac Resilience and Innovation Award. And listeners, get your tissues ready as this is quite an emotional but also very inspiring story. And it's such a fitting way to end our special series, I feel. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And it wasn't even intentional to put Adam last. It just happened that it would work out that way. But mm-hmm. after Adam, we also decided to have a quick chat with the TIA events and marketing manager, Lynn Robinson. So Lynn joins us to discuss what goes into building an awards night and what special surprises you might discover on the <laughs> virtual awards night next Monday. It's been a huge amount of work for Lynn and the TIA team, and we'd like to say celebrate them a little by saying thank you. It's been one hell of a year for them and they've had to go through a postponement and then obviously a a shift to online but Mm -hmm. to have something for our industry to look forward to and some fabulous stories of resilience, innovation, talent and passion to celebrate is really awesome for us. Absolutely and yeah huge huge thank you to them for doing it because it would be so easy to just go Let's postpone it until everything's over and done with. And they haven't. And they are going to celebrate those winners and all the finalists because that's so important. So everybody listening, keep those headphones on and keep listening and enjoy the show. We'll be back at the end. The Conservation Award recognises an environmentally sustainable tourism business that embraces Katia Kitanga and protection of our natural, built and cultural resources for the benefit of our current and future generations. We welcome another finalist for this category now, who are no strangers to the show, having been first introduced last week. So Freeman Ihu from Sanctuary Mountain, kia ora and welcome back. Kia ora kōrua, now it's good to be back and uh, thank you very much for having me. Yes, great to see you again, Freeman. Um, Now, in last week's episode, we touched on what you do at Sanctuary Mountain Mangatosri, but for our new listeners, can you start by telling us a little bit about your business and why you've entered the Conservation Award this year? Most definitely. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. So, uh, Sanctuary Mountain Mangatosri is a ecological island in the central of Waikato. So, it is based just uh, south of Cambridge, about 30 minutes south and it is completely pest-proof fence. So it stops all pests and predators by gaining into the sanctuary, which allows it to grow to what it was like pre-colonial times. The reason why we've entered the category is just because of the the environment that we're able to, to have in our sanctuary. We're able to provide, I guess, a safer environment for a lot of our more native Tonga species, which may be a bit more endangered, such as our Kiwi Mantisiponamu, for, for example. And we're able to provide them an environment where they can thrive and when they can grow to a point where they are able to go out to the rest of the country and, and repopulate. So that's just something that we thought that the, that the rest of Aotearoa needed to hear. Hmm. Awesome. And when did these programs start and how have they evolved? Sure. So the project itself at the sanctuary started about 20 years ago in the early 2000s. And the idea was just to do a, a small section of the, the manga, fence that off. And, and just see how things went. And they built the fence. They did a lot of tests and a lot of trials. Um, there's a lot of extremely funny videos on YouTube of how they did these tests and trials, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll be able to add to our um, Sanctuary Mounts and our pages. But yeah, a, a lot of it does come down to that uh, classic number eight wire uh, mentality of, hey, let's just give it a go, see how it works, um, and what improvements uh, we can make, we can make. Uh, so they started off with things like netting uh, on the fence and things, uh, and then it slowly uh, developed to a point where they could fence off everything and keep all of the pests and predators out Uh, but if there was a way that any of them made it in uh, then they could still find a way to get out of the the fence too so a lot of trial and error but yeah we finally got there Mm. awesome 
Interesting. So what are the different ways that you communicate your conservation efforts out to the public? From a marketing position, there's a number of ways that we share our collective work that we do at the sanctuary, uh, be it on our social media channels and our monthly newsletter. And even, for example, we'll be in um, news articles. We were featured in one this morning for our Nature of Work program um, on stuff in, in the Waikato. And we do other things as well where we do like national video ads or we do like national news. So we had Seven Sharp come out to the sanctuary as well, where we just talk about some of the things that we do, not only from a, a conservation perspective, uh, but also from like a health and wellness perspective as well and how that all collectively ties together. Hmm. Awesome. And do you think the customers or visitors that come to your sanctuary are seeking out conservation experiences specifically? It's a mixture, if I'm going to be honest. It's a good thing about the Bonga is everyone has a different reason for why they, they come. More recently, because we've been in, in lockdown borders, a lot of the people that have been coming back have been looking for some kind of reconnection to where they've been, either where they're from or where they're, their parents or their whanau are from. Or some people are just looking to reconnect back to nature in general. And that's where it becomes a stepping stone to conservation. A lot of our visitors that, that come, do actually end up taking a, a volunteer role if, uh, for a recurring weekly or monthly role. Or sometimes I'll help out on a, a volunteering event type things as well. So yeah, that initial stepping stone into that step back into nature is, is what eventually leads them into conservation too. Mm, awesome. Nice. And when you look at your conservation program, how are you measuring success? Do you have any breeding programs there? Is it about the numbers and like, what does that success oh, yeah. look like? <laughs> so I guess from uh, from a breeding perspective, there's a number of different programs and such that we, that we run and a lot of different organizations that we partner with to, to make mm -hmm. that happen. So with DOC, we have a contractor that works with us, Dr. Janelle Ward, who is the species coordinator of Sanctuary Mountain, and she coordinates basically all of the species work that we do. So currently we have a, a Takahe breeding program at the Sanctuary, which is conducted in our wetlands area. And this just allows us for... So what we do is we do our hatching season, which is roughly about this, this time now. I mean, a lot of the birds are just nesting. So mm -hmm. we check the genetics of those birds as they get a little bit older. Uh, and depending on the genetics, we send them off to, to other sanctuaries uh, and, and breed in different areas too. In terms of our breeding programs in the main moment, so we also work with Kiwis for Kiwi, oh, well, mm -hmm. which has just been rebranded to Save the Kiwi. Mm -hmm. which they will love when I will take them properly and name that Save the Kiwi, which is the rebrand. <laughs> so yeah, the rebrand is Save the Kiwi and they're working on a, a Kiwi kohanga to have 500 Kiwi uh, relocated to the manga. As wow. of a month and a half ago, we reached 252 Kiwi released. Mm -hmm. And I believe as of this Friday, we're releasing another five. So it's getting wow. very busy, very quick. But at the same time, it's great work to be doing. And it's yeah, an honor to be doing it. That'll get pretty noisy at night time in July when they're all doing their mating calls. <laughs> yes, I was just about to say, it's all, we haven't had any record keepers come in, but we're quietly confident that we're the uh, loudest Kiwi call sanctuary probably in the world. Yeah, <laughs> no so It's very exciting. Yeah, for sure. And you talk a lot about the volunteers, but obviously you have some staff as well. So how do you encourage them to be involved in your conservation effort and how do you recruit volunteers or... Yeah, fantastic. So the good thing about our sanctuary is that it was started by volunteers and it was started by people, local landowners, local people in the community. And it had this real number eight wire feel to it when it first started. Um, and as, you know, time's gone on over the last 20 years, you know, it's kind of galvanized into this uh, structure now where we have like a small group of 
um, staff. So we had uh, 20 ish staff currently recruited, uh, but we currently have a roster of 200 plus uh, volunteers. And so we have a lot of people who are still volunteers, still contributing their time um, just because they, they genuinely love the place. The, 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 the thing that we are working with at the moment, because I mean, from a recruitment perspective, we do a lot of um, sharing online and people, when they visit, they end up volunteering and they reach out via email and such. But especially during these COVID times, I guess it's just been, how do we manage that amount of people just virtually? Mm-hmm. People who, who work out in the bush, you know, who might not have the best reception, you know, so how do we manage those things? So we've been able to, you know, use this time to really knuckle down on those processes, getting them involved in those processes as well, because we want, obviously, the, the best way we've found to keep the, the community to be involved in the sanctuary is to get them involved in basically the, the process making and such as well. Because when you feel like you've built something, it's something that you want to, you know, you want to look after. And, and that's mm-hmm. why a lot of them still volunteer after all these years. Yeah, that's wonderful. And can customers get involved with any of the conservation projects and how can they go about that? Yeah, as I mentioned, um, a lot of our customers do end up uh, becoming volunteers and such. So a lot of the time what they'll do, literally, uh, is they come back from their visit uh, and they say to the receptionist and they say, I absolutely love my walk. How can I get involved? What can I do? And they literally just walk you to my office sometimes while I'm on a call like this sometimes. (laughs) And then, yeah, we've got to either sign them up or we talk to them about the options and that's all so that's an option, you know, after you, you're visited, you know, see how you can get involved to share what your experiences is. And sometimes we'll just put you in to, to how that can work. For example, like me, myself, prior to now, I've worked in offices that, you know, don't look anything like this, little cubicle offices, things like that. So a lot of people who are in that environment don't know how they can help. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time you just say, hey, look, these are my skills. Where can I fit? And then that's how we can kind of work backwards from there. What about customers who don't live close enough to become volunteers? What options do they have to continue to support you? Yeah, most definitely. So the the easiest, well, I guess the most common way for people who don't live, I guess, like locally uh, that support us, a lot of us, uh, a lot of them do have things like uh, your weekly or monthly subscriptions or donations that they make to the sanctuary towards some of the efforts. Sometimes we'll do fundraisers if we're doing specific things for certain birds or certain species at the moment or a project. Uh, some people will reach out and, and donate things or donate their time or services. It's a good thing about the sanctuary, at least, is if we, for example, we put a call out saying that we're building this education center and some of the local businesses have donated metal or paint or, or things like mm. that just because they know that that's what we can do. So cool. just because you can't physically get there, it goes back to like what I was saying. It goes back to like either what your skills are or what you have. Um, yep. to kind of help out and, and sometimes connections or in, in word of mouth is, is, is the best tool that you can offer mm, nice that's awesome well freeman thanks so much for joining us today and sharing all the incredible work you're doing at the mongo Tau we wish you all the very best for the awards night no thank you very much for having me and we look forward uh, to it too and listeners before freeman goes away we do have a family pass to give away to sanctuary mountain mangatosari so head across to our instagram page now to enter this is one that you don't want to miss out on so thanks again freeman all the best for the awards night we wish you all the very best of luck yeah awesome thanks guys fingers crossed
The Resilience and Innovation Award recognizes a business that exemplifies innovative and creative problem solving alongside operational business excellence. This business has a clear vision and mission, operates on sound business practices, and has effective strategies in place to increase productivity. Today, we welcome another of the finalists in this category, Adam Hoare from the Waiho Hot Tubs in Franz Joseph. Kia ora, Adam, and welcome to the show. Very good morning. Thank you for having me. Kia ora, Adam. Can you give our listeners a bit of background about your business? Because I understand you also own a motel in France and describe the reason you need to increase productivity and the solution that you implemented. Well, let's go back a step. The story of why host started before, like, like most children, before it was conceived. Years ago, I rolled into um, Franz Joseph Glacier and brought the Bella Vista Motel lease in the wee village. And over, the, over that period, I've been able to ride the wave of ups and downs of tourism. And generally, it's been a really, really productive, positive sort of time. You always know it's going to come back. What's fantastic about Friends is it's, complete, it's always been completely dependable. 5th of November, summer prices kick in and you're away. A little quiet period at the end of January and then about the second week of the Easter school holidays, things go to sleep. With the closure of the borders, like everyone and the whole planet, <laughs> things got a little bit mixed up. Um, and I was sitting there with a, a motel that I couldn't get less than a probably $35,000, $40,000 loss on a good profit and loss spreadsheet to work. And that was with, that is still with about a 50% reduction in rent with my landlord. Wow. And I've also got a partnership in a restaurant in the village um, that employs about 12 staff. And it ticks along seven days a week. And I was just absolutely petrified of being in a situation where we had to let staff go that mostly were on long, I've been on contracts for long term. And most of them were sending their wages home to support their families, either in Philippines or in other sort of Southeast Asian countries. So I just couldn't bring myself to thinking at how the conversation would go, mm, we can't keep you on. So I went through a whole lot of worst case scenario, I had my budgets figured out, I figured out how to suck in as much money as I could and much support. And then I had a week off. During lockdown, I really, in, I had a hot tub in my front courtyard and I figured out that I could turn the TV around in my lounge <laughs> and I could watch movies, Netflix, serial a day from a nice. hot tub. <laughs> and that was my happy place. And that sort of grew from, I've always quite liked my hot tub. I've always had sensitive skin, so I haven't been able to use chlorinated pools. And travelling around New Zealand, I'd... I'd just go hot pool jumping. My happy place was going to the North Island and going, oh, there's another one. <laughs> <laughs> Kerosene Creek, it's heaven. <laughs> so that's that, that sort of, so I had a reason to massage the, massage the game into my favour. What in the close down of, in the first close down, Natahu Tourism, they were one of the larger players in the village. They owned the concession for the guiding on the glacier. 
But about 10 years ago, they reasonably boldly invested in a very, very large hot pool complex. In hindsight, from what I understand, it may not have been quite economic, but it was big picture thinking. And over the period when that was open, a lot of people started to associate a visit to Franz Joseph was sitting in the glacier hot pools, not just going for a walk up the glacier or going for a bushwalk, but we were getting couples and families coming down for weekends from Hokitika and Greymouth, which is sort of like our only drivable, close distance resident population. Mm-hmm. After lockdown, I was getting people calling up from up there who are absolutely gagging to get away from the kids and had the ability to run away for the weekend and were going to come down and jump in the hot pools and they're ringing up my motel two or three a day and I had to break it to them that the hot pools were closed and they said, oh, maybe we'll go to Hamner. Ah. So that's where um, the start of my hot pool concept grew, down yeah. in the map. And, oh, in Queenstown, of course, you've got the Onsen Hot Pool brand, which mm-hmm. they went big down there and yep. invested and, and drove, developed a, a market, which was incredible. And over in Marima, you've got the um, Hot Tubs of Marima, which they've got 10 tubs. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I... So look, looked around, found some, found a really incredible tub design. There were about three or four different tub manufacturers in the island mm-hmm. and settled on a design. Spent eight just looking for the right site, but eventually found one in a, up the side of a camper van park, which was fantastic because it had a pre-existing bathroom, so I didn't have to build bathrooms. Oh, perfect, yeah. Ah, yeah. no resource consents. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And my local plumber was absolutely wrapped to have something new to put his brain to. And I was really, really chuffed to be able to employ local contractors who were sort of a team of three, important for um, six weeks. And we made a car park into a lush outdoor rainforest hot tub department by just moving pungas from down the road that they didn't need and to make a setting which most everyone picks has been there forever so that was successful yeah right so that that's sort of the start of it but the um once I had that my my next step was to to link the businesses and and that's and that's sort of where I'm at now Hmm. wow that's quite a story Adam it is (laughs) yeah so when when did the hot tubs actually open about 13 months ago okay yeah, yeah. So it was about September. Yep. It took us six weeks to make them and then finally got the right reservation system. And yeah, we're still sort of chugging along just by now. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. And in your own words, how does your initiative demonstrate resilience and innovation in the tourism industry? Well, resilience for me is giving my businesses the best shot of getting to the other side. Yeah put together a package which combined the three businesses we call it a soap stay dime package mm-hmm. and I'm probably getting more people calling up to book my soap stay dime package because they can see perceived value and ease of booking versus just ringing up to book a nice clean tidy motel room which mm-hmm. we've got quite a few of those in town to be fair 
<laughs> and it also has the advantage that it, it gets them up to my rest up to the restaurant that my partner in and it, it gives them a, a hook to spend a whole lot more than what the value of the voucher is. Yeah, perfect. So that, that's sort of financially hammer resistant. And it's also given me the ability to employ two more staff. So mm-hmm. people that I consider friends. And friends is in a funny spot. We haven't got any spare staff. No. Those that we have got, we don't want to lose. Mm. Because one of these days, it's hopefully going to get busy and we're going to need someone to run the place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the- Adam, what benefits have you achieved that are beyond what you expected when you first came up with this concept? Um, I underestimated how good it felt to make someone's day. Ah. Oh. Like the, 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 to, to have a, been in a motel, people say, oh, that was a lovely room, good shower, presser, and, and your bread was pretty good. Yeah. nice and clean and, and and that's just lovely and in the restaurant you've got a bit more of a license for art and and beauty and to do something more personal with them of providing some nourishment god damn it with the hot tubs you can get a couple in their 60s hop in there and you can see they've probably been in the car for longer to give of them what they've been for a very long time traveling <laughs> around the country and, and they're just you know, in that moment where you just go, oh, I just really don't want to see you anymore. Um, and before you know it, you show them to the hot tub and they've made a wee exclamation of how lovely this is with the steam coming off. Yeah. And then the next thing, you hear them cackling like school children as they submerge themselves into the water and all the water goes over the edge. <laughs> and you realise that there's just a little magic moment between the two of them and it's just like, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I must admit, that's how I feel every time I get into a hot pool. (laughs) So I get that. Totally understand it. Now, there's been a lot of talk in the news about how the West Coast has been affected, probably more so than any other region in the country with the lockdowns and border closures. But how did you achieve support from your community for this new product and initiative? Yeah, how did what did that look like? The My, there's about 100 tourism-focused businesses in Fox and Friends, mm-hmm. and that's an international market. And what was really becoming apparent was, and it still is apparent, and it still is for me apparent, none of the businesses over here are economically sustainable. Some of the, most of, many we hear that many of the other regions, which are closer to a main population, have actually done all right, if not really good. Due to our distance, um, we, we, we haven't, although New Zealanders have wanted to support us and long weekends, this place is a wee buzz, but you can't run a cash flow based on four, five, six long weekends a year. Mm. Mm. So what was really positive for me was being able to provide my local operators with something positive to to talk about as the councillor said to me one day god damn it adam yours is about the only positive story i can come across down here other than zip which is the zero free predator program and i think it's just lovely to be able to go to the pub and not discuss what is a very trying situation 
what makes ours position down here a little bit unique is we never really, after the first lockdown and after a period of closure, we didn't have a local market to come back and visit us. We had people wanting to come and support us, but that only maybe come once or twice. It isn't as if we're a, a retail shop in Rickerton where as soon as you open the doors, your normal community comes back and they come back every day. Mm. Our product isn't part of people's weekly or monthly routine. It's as part of their sort of maybe five yearly routine. So for my local community to have just to exist and to say, well, stuff it, our glacier hot pools are closed and we didn't look as if they were going to get them back. It was like, yeah, go on here for giving locals Hokitika and friends and Greymouth and other hast a reason to come here and enjoy us. Other little things is just like a donation for towels to support community events. So I've been giving them. Mm. Um, when community groups have been asking for a voucher or something, I can use that fund to support that. So that keeps that restriction off. And I've always been hooked into different community groups and things. I've sort of seemed to run the Anglican Church for some reason, even though I'm not Anglican, and hooked into the community hall. We're going to make the cash flow work. And it's a small wee town, so it's quite easy just to go around and say hello to everyone. Well, as a village, I've sort of tried to take the whole village for a wee ride with me, and it's been really enjoyable. Mm. And obviously, this particular idea is relatively innovative in terms of the fact that you haven't copied the previous hot pools. You've come out with the idea of let's make it a hot tub. So when tourism does come back, you've got a different product offering. So that's great. How do you think, Adam, you're going to keep up with this innovation and initiative and continually evaluate and improve this whole new idea that you've just put into place? Well, over, um, over a beer at the pub, my mates are pretty certain that when the restaurant next door to the hot tubs opens, mm-hmm. we're going to organise a, a little electric train that runs on a track around the hot tubs. So you sit in the, so you sit in the tub and your food and your beer arrives on the wee train track. Oh, I love if it. we can pull that off, <laughs> it's going to keep it pretty cool. <laughs> yes. And everyone heard it here first. Yes. In reality, if I can get my occupancy, because I think occupancy coming from hotel, but get the occupancy of my tub sub, it'll mean I can employ another person and I'll be able to supply a food and beverage offering in the tubs. At the present, I've been offering saying to guests to bring their own snacks and drinks. But if I can take the focus on that, I can actually create another revenue stream which which will Keep it sustainable. At the present, what I've got set up there at the present isn't much better than break even, which is not something I've said to too many people as a standalone. But over my group of three businesses, that's it's really, 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 really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Adam, I've just got one final question before we wrap up. If you look back 12 months before you opened the hot tubs and you're now looking at where you're at now, what difference has this made to your business? Mm. 12 months before things closed up, I was sitting on a beach in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, I had managers in the motel. I was having the best season I've ever, 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 ever had. Mm -hmm. Not been in the business. I mean, I could increase my revenue by just looking after rates instead of everything else. Mm -hmm. 
And my plan was to come back and set up new managers and to be somewhere else after 16 years in a motel. No one was holding that against me. But the, 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 the difference is that the, the hot tubs have made and the innovation, and I guess it is an innovation. But what I've managed to do there is I've been able to keep myself sustainable. And I think that's the gift that the project's been able to give me. It's, it's given me something positive to work on. So mm-hmm. I, I would have got a bit glum, to be fair, without yeah. it. Um, there's only so many times you can paint a bathroom at home. Only so many times you can tinker with a menu. And so it's been positive for me and the people around me. So I, I, I just, so far, it's just been a win-win. I, I couldn't have imagined it to have been better um, 12 months ago than what it is. Wow. Adam, that's an absolutely fabulous story and such a beautiful insight into Waiho Hot Tubs and how it came about. And honestly, thank you for sharing that with our listeners. We encourage everyone, everyone that's listening to go across to Franz, support you, support the community, and we wish you all the very best on the awards night. Thank you very, very much. Yeah. Welcome. All the best. Good luck. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we've heard from all of the finalists in the 2021 New Zealand Tourism Awards, we thought we would invite one more very special guest onto the show to talk about the awards night. We welcome Lynn Robinson, Events and Marketing Manager at Tourism Industry Aotearoa to the show. Kia ora, Lynn, and welcome. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. Kia ora, Lynn. Hello. We know you've been listening into our show over the past 11 weeks, so it's no surprise to you how blown away by the talent, passion and innovation we have been throughout the series. We heard that this year was one of the largest in terms of applications and nominations for the Tourism Awards. Is that true and how many? That is true. We had 147 uh, entries for the awards in total, which I think is a record, and we, which is way more than we were actually expecting. We were really, really thrilled, yeah, with the uh, the amount of, you know, interest in it, really. Yeah, so, especially yeah. in a year that we've had, or I guess it's more than a year now, it's nearly two years coming up with COVID, and tourism's been hit, obviously, a lot harder than most industries. So, yeah, it is great to see that positivity and passion yeah, coming through, I isn't it? So. We thought long and hard about what the categories should be this year, and we took out some that kind of weren't really that appropriate in the current environment. But yeah, we're really happy with the categories that we did have. And as I say, just delighted with the number of awards. So thanks to everyone who entered. Yeah, definitely. And are you able to share any of the general feedback that you've had from the judges this year? What have Uh, they had to say? Well, there were many, many discussions um, and deliberations to come up with their finalists and what I've heard, and I wasn't really involved in the judging process at all. In fact, the whole TIA events team, we coordinate it, but it really is an independent process. Right, yep. But, but we did hear that they did have a lot of trouble narrowing it down to just to a certain number of finalists in most of the categories because of the caliber of entries. And it was so hard to just boil it down to a few. So overall, really, really high standard. Yeah. And we will be sharing some of the judges' um, comments on the night as well. So Brilliant. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So COVID has obviously thrown a spanner into the works for the award tonight with one postponement. And now we're going to be moving to a virtual event. So how has that been for you as the event manager, Lynn? 
It has been very challenging and I have to say that, that our team, our events team, and particularly Tanya Rook who heads up our summit and awards, she does all the kind of work really, ably mm-hmm. supported by a couple of new team members who've just come on board in the last um, few months, Holly and Melissa, they have really stepped up. Poor Tanya, she started planning one event, then it got, well, two events, then they got postponed, and now they're, you know, now a whole new kind of um, event planning uh, processes needed to actually turn them into online events. So this is also the first year that we've had a summit and awards on the same day. We've got our tourism summit during the day, so that doubled the workload as well. So they've just been absolute troopers. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but it's been kind of a good challenge. It's been nice to have something, even though it keep, the goalposts keep changing. We're just thrilled that we're actually able to have something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I guess now that you have made that decision that it's online, nothing can really get in your way. So exactly. it will go ahead on Monday. <laughs> I'm thinking power blackout. Oh, oh don't say that. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Massive broadband outage. Yeah, or... exactly. <laughs> no, Listen we're not going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what can are you able to share with us a little bit about what our virtual guests can expect on the night? Are there any little surprises or anything like that that you can tell us about? Well, we do have some surprises, and if I told you about them, they wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> oh. but we just we've got a really fun MC. Yeah. She's a local Camille Guswell, and I'm sure some some of you guys all know her. But she's really really fun and very entertaining. So she will be great. We are really encouraging people to get together where they can, and we've yeah. heard lots of stories about where groups are getting together to celebrate the awards and groups with COVID allows obviously yeah so we're just encouraging people to dress up and make an evening of it we want to make it as fun and enjoyable as possible there'll be opportunities for people to post photos via a virtual photo booth we'll be seeing the finalists online and hearing from the winners uh, in each category so that'll be good too and we're just looking at how we can kind of cross to or it might be a case of sharing photos, but we're looking at how we can kind of sh- uh, share what different groups are doing and how they've dressed up and all that yeah, kind of stuff nice. around the country. Right. So, yeah, that technology, as you guys will appreciate, has just a pr- uh, improved so much mm. since COVID in particular. So there are lots of fun things that we can do through the uh, event platform that we're using to kind of make people feel part of it. Mm. And I bet that's been quite fun exploring what that new technology is and, and what it allows you to do. Yeah, absolutely. We were just doing a test event this morning, actually, just kind of having a bit of fun and making sure that it all works. So, but it is, I have to say, it's a bit, it's also a bit scary because there's a lot new. of, still, even now, there are a lot of firsts for us mm-hmm. and for some of the suppliers that we're using as well. So there's a bit of an unknown territory here in terms of running an awards event online. Mm-hmm. So we do have our fingers and toes crossed that everything goes smoothly. But the amount of planning that's gone into it, you know, we're pretty well, we, we should be pretty right, she says. <laughs> Great. Because <laughs> where will you be filming from on the night? Camille will be um, here at a studio um, at Broadlands, which was the venue that we were supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. And then we will be running the event from our office down in Wellington. 
So yeah, there'll be quite a bit of communication going up and down the country on the yeah. uh, broadband waves that night between us. Yeah, wow. so that's the plan. Oh, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. We did mention when it first was announced that it was moving to an online event that it would provide opportunities for businesses to get their whole teams together because quite often yep. if they're travelling from, you know, the South Island, we've got quite a few finalists from around Queenstown and Fiordland, they, they might only be able to bring up one or two of their team members, whereas mm. now this is almost a bonus that they can pull their whole team together and make it an awards night in their business so yeah, yeah it's great that that's what they're doing yeah I reckon I reckon there are some really great advantages actually to doing it this way and I really love the the concept of regional hubs that mm. kind of idea too with getting people yeah. together in their regions that's something that we will be exploring in general for our events going forward so going back to the event itself and obviously being the finalists who can attend who is it open to everybody Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, the more the merrier. It's it's free to come and watch and it's a great profile for our industry as well. So yeah, we it would be great if people do register via the mm-hmm. link because then we can kind of get an idea of um, it's going to be hard to tell how many people are watching because there are so many groups watching. Mm-hmm. But at least we get an idea of how many and where they are and stuff like that too. But uh, I'm planning to send the link to my folks so they can kind of... <laughs> See what you've been working on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> share it far and wide and can get people excited about what's all the fantastic stuff that is happening in our industry. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And are you live streaming it across social media at the same time or is it just purely an online? Uh, I don't think we're live streaming as such, but we yep. will be. We will have all the social media channels on the go, that's for yep. sure. So, yeah. Yeah, yep. Great. <laughs> Creating a buzz around it all. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. We'd love to be trending. Yes, <laughs> yes definitely. What, what's the hashtag that we can share, Lynn? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I should have anticipated that question. <laughs> um, it's Tourism Awards 21, I think. Okay. okay. We'll add it into the show notes. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> oh, details, details. <laughs> and Lynn, you heard me mention on the first episode that I'd love to be a judge. So mm. how are the judges chosen and what tips have you got for me for next year? Ooh. So, well, I think it could be a bit tricky for you, but uh, so how they're chosen is we do have some who have been judging for quite a long time. So we usually reach out to them first because they know the process and we do sometimes get approached by people as well, such as yourself, interested in judging. And then we look at the categories and we have a certain number, three judges per category. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, they're independent and we do quite a lot of work around uh, making sure that there are no conflicts. So. Yes. That's why I wondered if, you know, for you, for you because you're so well connected, you need to figure out what, you know, what con- conflicts there could be in terms yeah, of yeah. just because we wanted to make it unbiased. Of um, course, yeah. Yeah. Quite, yeah. Quite good to throw in some judges from outside the industry too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective on how businesses work. So that's how we pull it all together. It's quite a quite a process. And then they uh, all the entries get sent to the judges together with the criteria and they all score separately. And then we have a day where uh, we get a facilitator and we get the judges for each category together and they kind of all deliberate and sometimes there might be disagreement about one or two who should be be finalists and stuff like that. So it gets worked through in a democratic process. 
yeah yeah oh that sounds really good and I am yeah. just being a little bit cheeky to be I did judge the Topol Business Awards one year but <laughs> There's my, there's my, that's my CV. <laughs> I was going to say, that's your award CV. Nice. <laughs> now, did we hear a little rumour that uh, next year the awards might be held back in Hamilton? Well, I'm not sure how public that would be, that particular rumour, but we will be announcing on the night the date and location for next year's awards, so you'll have to tune in. So I did see something that TIA said they were committed to getting back to do it in Hamilton, but whether it's next year or not, I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah. So, a little bit um, like trends in Christchurch. Um, yeah, exactly. But um, look, I must do a shout out to H3 and Broadlands as a venue because they've been so incredible with just so uh, flexible in terms of when we were trying with all the meetings that we had with them around planning the physical events and then moving it to next year and yeah. there's been quite a bit of toing and froing around dates for next year and stuff like that and they're just like so helpful oh that's nice. awesome to hear yeah, lovely yeah. team to work work with yeah cool. that's great to hear yeah. well that pretty much wraps this up actually lynn so thanks so much for joining us so no doubt it's been a huge project for you and your team with all the changes and the COVID disruptions, but we absolutely have no doubt you've organised a very special evening for the finalists and, of course, all the other viewers that hopefully join. So thank you for giving us an insight into what will happen on the night, and we wish you all the very best for a wildly successful online evening. Thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Awesome. Yes. And also to our awards finalists that we've met over the last 11 weeks, a huge thank you to all of you for sharing your stories and good luck for next Monday night. I hope you all have gatherings organised with your team and something special um, to celebrate in a COVID safe way, obviously, and celebrate your success. And we look forward to hearing all about it. So thanks for joining us, Lynn, and all the best for Monday. Yeah, all the best. Thank Well, ee, well, there we go, Chambers. We have finished. We've done it. High five. High five. Virtual <laughs> high five. <laughs> but they are the 2021 New Zealand Tourism Awards finalists. You have now listened to all of them. So well Woo-hoo! done, listeners. <laughs> high five to you too. <laughs> yeah, high five. <laughs> Now, before we recap too much, Lim has confirmed the awards hashtag is hashtag NZ Tourism Awards 21. So if you want to get involved on Monday whilst you're listening to the virtual event, it's hashtag NZ Tourism Awards 21. And the ceremony will go from 6 to 7.30. So there's plenty of time for teams to have a celebratory dinner afterwards. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I can't wait to see it all. So, MJ, tell me, what was your favourite moment from the shows? Oh, Chambers, I've been thinking about this because obviously we said that we were going to come back on and talk about these moments. But I think it's just so hard to go past the passion that's demonstrated by Mm -hmm. finalists and particularly in such a challenging year for our industry there's still so much positivity and so much resilience being shown but 
I was thinking about it and I think my absolute favourite moment was part of our interview with Matt Stenton and the interview we did with Matt about his Tourism Industry Champion Award. Mm -hmm. And I did do a little clip of this and I shared it on our socials at the time when we asked him what he does to champion his sector and the wider tourism industry. And his answer was along the lines of sometimes he didn't feel like he was doing enough Mm -hmm. by saying he was up against parents and caregivers every day who believe that their young person shouldn't be exploring tourism and hospitality and that the media was a little bit negative about tourism wasn't a great career choice and it wasn't a great industry to be in because obviously the borders are closed and we're suffering so much but he came out and was so passionate about what he championed he championed every day staying a little bit positive for our industry he championed Mm -hmm. every day that the future will be better and that we'll be more resilient and we will be more prepared so and it, it went on you can go back through our socials and have a listen to that or even find the episode where we interview Matt if you haven't listened in go back because honestly his enthusiasm and energy is infectious and I just loved that interview Mm, I agree I love that interview too yeah so what was your favorite moment Chambers well again I said it was one of my faves and it gave me goosebumps Matt did so but I also really liked how the Russell Orongo Bay came up with the childcare option Mm. not only for themselves and their staff but also how now it's being utilized by the community and they just kind of squeezed it in there that people drive 45 minutes to bring their children to this yeah. facility <laughs> just like oh that just popped up you know and I, I felt like that was it just really went to show how a small initiative can actually have an enormous impact on other people right. and not just within your own work environment but your local community which is great mm-hmm. I think my standout moment was Matt Wong from iFly telling us about how he's managed to retain all of his staff throughout this whole thing yeah and that to hold on to your whole team throughout a co- the COVID pandemic is absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, that was that's pretty amazing story there. Yeah, and not only holding on to his team, but the results that they've had in the business oh, as well were pretty incredible, right? Hundred so, yeah. percent, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So. Any hot favourites for any of the categories? Like, do you want to put it out there and say you think that this person's going to win or? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, let's see if I can. Well, um, look, I'm sure you'll tell us who your hot favourites were. But for me, um, it was the way some of the companies have supported their staff and the initiative that they've put around these to retain their staff have been amazing. And just like I said with Matt, but honestly, I think this episode with Adam's story from Waiho Hot Pools mm. and being the Westpac Resilience and Innovation Award just blew me away. And this new business that he's created will have a lasting effect on the region way after borders reopen and we've got visitors here. And, and it's clearly had a benefit from now with the region and I think that's that's really huge and what a yeah. what a beautiful story and a beautiful man he was to tell I know it. it was wasn't it yeah yeah and what about you Michelle oh look well when we finished this 
I think you and I should have a little bit of a sweepstake and pick our winners. <laughs> and I don't really want to share it because I think everybody's a worthy winner. And the fact that they're finalists, we've already celebrated them. But I think privately, you and I need to go through and work out who we think is going to win and see how we go. Yeah, let's but do it. Let's do it. It really is too hard to pick. But for me, I think the hotly contested category in my eyes was the Conservation Award. There's yes. some Incredible stories and, and work being done around that and so many great real life examples of how we should be working. The other category was obviously the Emerging Tourism Leader Award and we've talked about the fact that we've got these three incredible young women representing on the stage for our industry who have made their mark on the industry at mm -hmm. such a young age and I just think wow how do the judges choose between so, them. between those three alone yeah I know 100% and exactly what you said I mean it's the emerging tourism leader award they're only emerging and they've achieved so much already and yeah just it's brilliant what three awesome women we've got up there so yeah I totally agree so difficult so what about what did you learn what do you think you, you what's your biggest oh. takeaway oh look again there's so much I, we talked I think on most of the interviews <laughs> that we were scribbling down notes ourselves, but I yeah. think when it all comes down to it, there's one theme that came through in every single category. And that was even in the individual awards. And that's he aha te mea nui o te ao, he tangata, he tangata, he tangata. And that is what is the most important thing in the world. It is the people. It is the people. It is the people. Oh my goodness, it's so true, Michelle. Couldn't have said it better myself. Even businesses are nothing without their people. The praise each and every business had for their teams, the effort, what they put in and what they came up with was so incredibly heartwarming throughout this entire series. I hope that as part of the reset of, with COVID, these businesses that continue and the ones that will come will always look to appreciate that looking after your staff is everything because we have definitely learned that when the chips are down, you need to be surrounded by good people and a great team to succeed. That's yeah. what I learned from that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, well, Chambers, that ends our special series. But don't worry, listeners, we're not going anywhere. You're still stuck with us every Wednesday morning and <laughs> we will continue to drop new episodes from seven o'clock every week on a Wednesday. So keep tuning in. Um, next week, we're going to talk to you about our tips for entering awards given we've so spent so long talking about mm. them so hopefully there'll be something in there I know there's a few people listening in going wow I want to be part of this next year 100%. not just to get onto our podcast but just to be at the <laughs> tourism awards and we do have a little bit of experience in writing and entering tourism awards we've touched base with a few of our friends in the industry as well who've mm -hmm. won tourism awards and we've gathered our best tips for you so tune in next week in the meantime don't forget to check out TIA's Facebook page tune into the awards ceremony on Monday night via the link that they've shared there it is free share it with your mum your dad mm -hmm. friends overseas the more people who can register and see what our industry is doing the better yeah and agreed good luck to all of the finalists you're all winners in our eyes and a huge thank you to everyone who has listened in over the last 11 weeks 
Absolutely. Yep. And I do look forward to giving those tips and getting people ready a year in advance for their applications. Yep, absolutely. And big thanks to you, Chambers, as well. Couldn't have done it without you. So see you <laughs> next Wednesday. See you then. Have a good day. 